Thank you for tuning in. We understand that there are all types of broadcasts that you could be tuning into tonight. So we thank you for joining in with us. And for those of you who pressed your way in the house of the Lord, it has been raining and storming and just acting a fool here in Baton Rouge. Amen. And I I understand it has not ended, but it's paused so that we can come in tonight and get our word tonight. It's supposed to pick back up sometime between midnight and morning and rain all day tomorrow. But we thank God for the rain because it brings refreshing. It revives our flowers, our grass, and brings life. So we thank God for the rain. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get right into it on tonight. Hallelujah. Again, uh, I was I changed vehicles with my husband because my mom had my car. She wanted to do some stuff today while uh, her last day here. And so instead of her having to run back and forth, dropping me off and picking me up, um, she kept my car and I took my husband's truck. So I have none of my tools. Amen. But God makes a way out of no way. Thank God for phones and apps, Bible apps on your phone. So I've been on my Elevate Church app plug. If you do not have yours, download it today. It does have a Bible app in the midst of the church app. And so I like to study using my Bible app. I can make notes right in the app. I can highlight and and save scripture, bookmark it to go back to it. So we thank God for that on today. So we're going to get right into it. Like I said, if you have your Bibles on tonight, or your Bible apps. Amen. Would you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16 on tonight? And once you have that, if you wouldn't mind standing with us on tonight in reverence of God's word, hallelujah. We have our faith declaration that we make here concerning the word of God. Amen. If you would repeat after me before we get into the scripture. Tonight I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready and my mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can be what the word says I can be. I can do what the word says I can do. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I am more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. I'm blessed to be a blessing. My house is blessed. My children are blessed. My marriage is blessed. My church is blessed. I am blessed. Now, if you really believe that, why don't you shout amen as we go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 on tonight. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? 
since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons. to. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. It was not always a good thing when the prophet showed up. So they came trembling. What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. Verse seven, uh, verse six says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. We got to acknowledge that tonight, that the Lord does not see things the way that we see them. People judge by outward appearance. We look at people and we want to size them up. And we look at people and think, oh, she must be somebody or he must be somebody or they must not be somebody because of what we see. But the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven... Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. We're almost there. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you had? Because I know God spoke (laughs) and he said, one of your sons. Now I looked at seven. Is this all you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for David, him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. And we'll conclude here in verse 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Let us pray. Most gracious and eternal father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, father, that you look at the heart, God. And we thank you, God, that you are the one that chooses us, God. And because you chose us, we choose you. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Very familiar passage of scripture. You may take your seats. Amen. Very familiar passage of scripture, the anointing of David as king. But what I find most interesting about this is that he was anointed at a young age. We know that the text lets us know that he was a young boy. He was the youngest of eight. He had seven older brothers. And yet he wasn't even invited to the celebration. He was the one chosen, but he was not even invited to his own celebration. How is it that when the prophet came to town and told Jesse to bring all of his sons, that all did not include David? You know, sometimes people will count us out, but God has a way of counting us in. And normally, when I preach this, that's what I preach from, don't count me out. But today I want to look at it a little differently. Today I want to talk from the thought, rising above rejection. Rising above rejection. Apostle started a new sermon series, Purposed, on Sunday. And in order to fulfill purpose, and in order for purpose to be effectuated in our lives, We have to learn how to rise above rejection. I know if I went around this room and we did a roll call, everyone in this room has experienced rejection of some sort. Whether it was rejected from someone that you fancied and had your eye on, but they didn't have their eye on you. Maybe it was rejection from a parent that just didn't give you the attention like our, our friend David here, maybe it was rejection from a, a, a promotion or a job position that you applied for, but you didn't qualify for, or they didn't think you were a good fit, and so you were rejected. Whatever or however you experienced it, we can all relate. We can all testify that we've experienced rejection. Uh, But I'm here to let you know that rejection positions you to be open to God. See, when you've heard enough no's and when you've gotten enough doors closed in your face, you just like, God, I'm waiting on you because I done tried it my way. See, normally we face rejection when we're trying to do it our way. So then we get to that point where, you know what, I I don't want to hear another no. I don't want nobody to slam another door in my face. I don't want to be rejected again. So, God, I'm waiting on you. But there's two foes to this story because we have the anointing of David. But then before we get there, it opens up with God having a conversation with Samuel. How long are you going to mourn Saul? See, at this point, Saul's arrogance had cost him his kingship. And while he was yet on the throne, God had withdrawn his spirit from him. God was ready to replace him. And Samuel was downhearted about this. He was downtrodden about this. His heart was breaking over. He loved Saul. And God, like, look here, I done told you this man ain't the king no more. How long you going to be sitting over here having your little pity party about Saul? How long am I going to have to sit here and watch you have this pity party? Listen, 
I've got me another king. So what I need you to do is go down to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. Because I'll have a king among his sons. But then Samuel faced a little bit of confliction within himself because now he began to think about that thing. But if I go, Saul going to hear about it. The fear of rejection and possibly the fear of death because if I go and anoint another king and we already have a king who ain't got the memo yet that he's not king no more. <laughs> you ever had to, anybody ever worked in management or supervisor and you had to let somebody know that they was being replaced. <laughs> you got to be the one to give that news. Or they got the memo, but they still showing up at work. And you're like, what? Did they not? Why are they here today? What? I know. I heard it. You heard it too? And they just still coming in here. Or you know that stalker that you broke up with. But they still riding past your house. They still knocking at the door. They still telling, sending you text messages and calling you like nothing has happened. Did you not get the memo? You are not the one. And so here, Samuel was having some conflict within himself because I need to be obedient to what God is telling me to do. But on the other hand, if I'm obedient to what God is telling me to do, what's going to happen to me? And so... He had to get to that place where he had to rise even above his own rejection of what Saul will say and do to him or could say and do to him as a result of his obedience to God. So we find him being in obedience, going to Jesse's house. And upon first look at Jesse's first son that came before him, Eliab, he's like, whew, this is over quick. I can go hide now. We about to get this done. They go, Eliab, oh, that got to be the one. And God like, oh, no, nah, bro. <laughs> it ain't going to be that easy. That's not the one I've chosen. And then another one comes. And God says, that's not the one I've chosen. And then another, and then another, and then another. Sometimes we find ourselves going through the cycles of life because we're choosing our path instead of allowing God to order our steps. And we wonder why we keep going around the mulberry bush. And we're like, okay, God, but this is the one. And God's saying, that ain't the one. Okay, God, well, what about this one? You ever, you know, ever get to where you, like, your mama, your parents, or family, and friends, be like, don't bring nobody else over here. Don't, we, we ain't meeting nobody else until we know for sure, don't bring not, not, not another one over here. Because you keep choosing, (laughs) but the ones you keep choosing aren't the one. Or you find yourself in and out of different careers, you know, that career student. Oh, I'm going to college and I'm going to major in this. And then by year two, oh, I'm changing my major. Then by year three, oh, I'm changing my major. And then by year four, you like, you ever going to get out of school? Because you keep choosing your major. But what has God said for you to do? What has God said for you to major in? But because we fail to seek God and to consult God or when we hear what God is saying, we're like Samuel. But what would Saul do to me if he finds out that I'm doing what you told me to do? I'd rather experience the wrath of man than experience the wrath of God. We got to be obedient to God no matter the cost. 
And so let's get back to David. Because now David, the shepherd boy, out there dirty, playing with the sheep, the poop, the, the uh, pooper scooper, you know. Being a shepherd boy was not a glamorous thing. That was the chore, the task that was given to someone that was of low esteem. Less, you know, they didn't esteem that person to be high. So here you, the little brother, you know, go do the chores, go do this. And I can imagine being the youngest that he was even given other chores that the older brothers were supposed to be doing. I have an aunt that's four years older than me, and she didn't know I was as smart as I was when we was growing up. I knew how to read <laughs> early on in life. And I can remember when I would go spend the weekend at my grandparents' house, she would write a note about some chores. Or if my grandparents left a note, it would have her name and what she was supposed to do and my name and what I was supposed to do. And she was like, oh, you're supposed to do it. And I'm like, I can read. That don't say that. <laughs> I know what I'm supposed to do. You do what you're supposed to do. So I can imagine David's brothers adding more to what he already did. But even in the midst of that, he was humble and he just was excited to just be able to do something. But all of that was in preparation for what God had already before the beginning of time, before he was a twinkle in his mother's eye, before he was a seed in his daddy. All of that God had predestined to shape him and mold him to be the shepherd that he would eventually come to be over all of Israel. But there was a process. And an apostle talked to us about that process on Sunday. See, too many times we get the anointing, but we have not gotten the appointing yet. And so because God said, well, God said that I was going to be this. So let me saw move over. You might as well pack up, move out the, uh, move out to the castle. Cause God told me, me and my sheep is coming on in. I guess I'll let my brothers and my daddy come with us. Cause God said, I'm going to be the next king. But it would be until he was almost 30 years old before he would even sit on the throne. Theologians don't give a, a, a they don't give an exact age that he was at the time of his anointing. They anticipate he was somewhere around 15. So we're talking maybe at least 15 years before he was called and before the culmination of his calling manifested. So I want to encourage somebody today that just because you're in process or just because you're in waiting doesn't mean that God didn't say it. Don't abort the process. Don't negate from the assignment because you know what you're supposed to be doing, but there's a process in order for you to get to where you're supposed to be doing it. And sometimes we want to escape the process. We want to abort the process. We don't want to go through nothing. We don't want to do nothing. We just want to get all the fame and glory that comes with what God said I'm going to be. But there's a process. And so when we're going through the process, we often deem that process as rejection. Because, well, God told me this, but you don't treat me like that. God said, I'm the king, and you still got me out here tending to the sheep? Did you get the memo that I'm the king now, daddy? I'm not doing no more chores. I am going to be the next king of Israel. But David remained humble in the process. 
He respected the process. And even in the midst of his process, he encountered a giant, Goliath. And when the rest of Israel cowered in the face of the giant, David said, I know I'm supposed to be king, but right now I'm about to be a knight because this giant must fall down. How dare he defile my God? So he continued to serve in other capacities despite being anointed the king. We got to be careful that we are staying in a place of servitude despite the call upon our life. We have to be careful that we're staying in a place of humility despite the anointing that rests upon us. David respected the process. Apostle told us on Sunday that there was three steps to the process. One was communicate. He said that God would always communicate with us about what it is he desires for us to do. God communicated with Samuel to let him know the plan for Israel, that he had a new king. He had chosen a new king. And through Samuel, he communicated that to David. Second, he said that there must be a confession. See, not only do we have to acknowledge our dependency upon God, because when Samuel was conflicted as to obey God, uh, face Saul, which one am I going to do? He had to make that confession that, hey, I'm a servant of God, first and foremost. I got to obey God, first and foremost. And some of us, there's some things that we need to confess in the atmosphere. And then the confession that a new king was being appointed had to be made. Because it wasn't done in private. He didn't send Samuel in private to go privately to Jesse's house. Don't make no, don't, don't make no big fuss about it. Just go in there real quietly. Only Jesse and his sons. No, no, no. The elders greeted him when he entered the town. He made a public sacrifice unto the Lord. Get a heifer. God said, get a heifer and make shoot off some fireworks when you get there let them know you're coming in town (laughs) because I'm not what I'm getting ready to do I'm not trying to hide and it may ruffle some people feathers and some people may not like it but I'm God and if God before you so we got to be obedient to God and we have to confess what God has spoken we have to confess God's word We have to cry loud and spare not. And then he talked about the cost. Samuel had a cost. It could have cost him his life when it got back to Saul that he was at Jesse's house anointing another king. What do you mean you anointing another king? Don't you know I'm still a king? What, What are you doing? But it was the price he was willing to pay to be obedient to God. What price are we willing to pay to be obedient to God? And then David had a cost. It it, it cost him to still be picked on by his brothers and, and to still be looked down by his daddy. And despite him being the next king, they didn't care nothing about that. Life went on just as normal. Okay, I know what he said, but going back out there. 
hit them sheep. Then, you know, your brothers is down there about to get in this fight with these Philistine people. So I'm going to need you to take them some bread and some water. Go on down there. Be the uh, Uber boy. You know, they have Uber back in the Bible. <laughs> Uber eats. <laughs> I need you to go take them some bread and water. But I'm about to be the next king. But you about to go deliver this bread and water right now. <laughs> but if he had not been obedient, if he would have had a little arrogance about who God called him to be, and if he had not been obedient to his daddy sending him, he would not have been in position to overcome Goliath. And so don't negate the process. We got to learn how to rise above the rejection because the rejection comes to suppress us and it comes to embarrass us and it comes to humiliate us. But God, if it's for your name's sake, let them talk about me. Let them laugh at me. They can call me anything that they want to. Just don't call me late for dinner. But they can tell you, say they can say my name is anything. They can say my title is whatever they want it to be, God. I'm who you want me to be, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. Because there's an appointed time, and there's an appointed place for everything. And so David would be almost 30 years old when he began his rule. And even then, he was only allowed to rule over Judah because of the contention for the throne. And then he would rule over Judah for another seven and a half years before the elders would finally recognize him as the true king of all of Israel. So you're talking some 20 something plus years from the time that he was anointed, the time that he was called, the time that his purpose was revealed. To the time that the manifestation of it truly happened. But we want everything to be microwave. We want everything to be instant. We want everything to happen right now. But God just said it two minutes ago. It ain't happened yet. I'm waiting. When is it going to happen? God wants us to have patience. And more than patience, he wants us to have trust. Because what really happens is in our time of waiting and, and, and wondering, we begin to distrust. Because if he said it, then baby, it's money in the blank. You can believe it. But then we begin to wonder, well, maybe God didn't mean what he said. He ain't bipolar. <laughs> he meant exactly what he said. We just have to learn how to wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and let him strengthen our heart. And so we can't abort the assignment. We have to accept the assignment. And sometimes in accepting the assignment, we don't really know how it's going to come to pass. We don't really know how he's going to bring it about. Apostle talked about that Sunday with Mary and the angel of the Lord coming to her, letting her know that she was going to bear a child when she was a virgin and had not been married yet. I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but... I'm open to you. I avail myself to you. And I'm going to continue to trust in you. I accept the assignment. There's some things that God has been trying to anoint us for, but because of our fear of rejection and because I fear what people are going to think, if I accept that, if I, oh, what they're going to say, if I really, if I tell them what God has said to me, but we got to be obedient to God. Accept the assignment. Don't abort it. 
Rise above the rejection and the fear of rejection. Some of us are, have a fear of failure. God has put businesses down in us. He has put books down in us. He has put songs down in us. He has put millions down in us. And we have not tapped in, tapped into it because we're feel, we have a fear of failure, which equals a fear of rejection. But now is the time to rise above all of that. Because we're purposed. Come on, you ought to prophesy to yourself and say, I am purposed. Richard L. Evans said, your direction is more important than your speed. I told you it took, we can, we can guesstimate that it took over 20 years before David actually became fully king over all of Israel. But his destination, his direction that he was heading in was more important. And the journey and the process of getting to where God called him to be was more important than him getting there quickly. Because sometimes we move ahead of God. We move faster than what God is trying to take us. And we miss some stuff along the way. As a mother of six that I had all naturally except for one. I mean natural, natural. (laughs) Like no pain medicine natural. But even in the birthing process, if you push the baby out too fast, sometimes the fluid that has gotten down in the baby from the the, uh, amniotic sac does not come out of the baby because you don't have the baby in the birth canal long enough to squeeze it out. And so sometimes the baby comes out with some complications. So even in giving birth, they'll slow you down. Don't push before the doctor is ready for you. You can tear yourself. Because you're not dilating right and they're trying to get you in the perfect position. So even when that pressure comes that Apostle talked about on Sunday and you feel like pushing, sometimes the doctor be like, don't push with this one. But you want to because you're ready to get it over with. You're ready to speed through this thing. I'm ready to be done. But there's a process. And we got to trust the process. And so... Apostle gave us the process, communicate confession and cost. But I want to give you three things today that the process teaches us. It teaches us how to be hip. Anybody want to be hip? You want to be cool? H-I-P. It teaches us one, humility. How to be humble. Because you can't be anointed king and still out here with the shepherds. With the sheep. You can't be anointed king and out on a battlefield calling somebody out at three o'clock. Three o'clock, I got you, three. No, as a king, you're supposed to be sitting and you got people to do that. Have my people call your people. (laughs) We'll arrange something. (laughs) But David stayed humble. There is no, even when he came on the scene at the fight of Goliath and his brothers was like, what are you doing here? What trouble did you come to cause? Why are you here? He, look, I'm just here to figure out what's going on and how I can help. 
He didn't say, I'm the king. Don't be talking to me like that just because you're my big brother now. I'm the king. You better watch who you're talking to because when I take the throne, I'm going to have you behead. He didn't go into all of that. He remained humble. And then the process teaches us integrity. See, when you can trust God in the process and when you can walk in the process in humility and still continue to serve and still continue to do and not move ahead of God, it shows your level of integrity. Because sometimes, you know, we want to take credit for everything. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I can do. Look what God called me to do. Look what God, in other words, he called me, but he didn't call you. You know, that nan nan ha ha tee tee tease, a kind of a tease attitude. But it teaches us integrity. It teaches us how to endure some things. And how to endure them even with a smile, with the joy of the Lord as our strength. Not to go through murmuring and complaining. Even when Saul realized that David was his successor and David was on the run because Saul put a hit out on him. He still respected his position as king. David didn't, everybody was for David. Most of the people, David had more people for him than Saul did. They began to sing songs about David that fueled uh, Saul's anger. Fueled his fury. But even in the midst of that, David stayed a man of integrity and respected that that man was still on the throne. He is still the king and I'm not going to do anything to harm a hair on his head if I got to run and hide from him. Just to stay respectful of him. Integrity. That's true integrity. Because I promise you, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. (laughs) I ain't got there yet. Pray for me, y'all. I'm going to punch you right in the throat. <laughs> you said what? Oh, you going to kill me and my family? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. But David, <laughs> that wasn't David. That's how he was a man after God's own heart. Because he knew how to, even when he stumbled and failed, how to just get back into the presence of God. Amen. He didn't allow that to keep him down. Even when the enemy would come and let him know, Oh, you done messed up for good. You done messed up for real, for real now. Oh, they not going, they going to reject you. They going, he rose above that. And then the last thing that the process teaches us is how to be patient. How to wait on God. God, I know you said it. So if it's one year, I'm going to wait on you. If it's 10 years, I'm going to wait on you. If it's 20 years, God, I'm going to wait on you. Abraham had to wait on God that you're going to be the father of many nations. And it's coming out of your own loins. That didn't happen overnight. He had to wait a couple of decades for the promise to manifest. And so we have to get to that place where we're not taking the time that it's taking as a rejection. Because sometimes when we're in the wait, we think that God has withdrawn his word from us. 
Oh, well, maybe he changed his mind. No, he didn't. We changed our minds, but God didn't. We think of it as rejection because, well, God sees me and calls me this, but no one else sees me and calls me this. No one else acknowledges me as that, but I know that's what God said. So then we think people are rejecting us because they haven't seen the manifestation of us. Apostle talked about that on Sunday. Y'all see, I'll be taking notes. Apostle talked about that on Sunday. That people won't recognize your gift until they see the manifestation of your gift. But we running around saying, but God appointed me king. He's anointed me to be the king yet. But you haven't been appointed yet. You're in the process. You start in at the mail room. Don't expect to be VP the next week. It's a process. You know, the mail room is all, it's normally on the bottom floor in the basement. And the VP is normally at the top of the building on the highest floor. You can't just, I'm going from bottom to the top. You know, I know they got that song. I started from the bottom. Now I'm here. But it took them a process to even get there. And that will be our testimony and we can give God all the glory when we tell the story that I did start from the bottom and now I'm here. I used to be a shepherd boy out there tending sheep, but now I'm the king tending God's people. We can have that testimony. When others may discount us and when man may dismiss us, God says, I have destined you. You're purposed. I have a purpose for you. When we've been overlooked by people, God says, but I'm looking right at you because I sit high and I look low and my eyes go to and fro throughout the earth. So while they don't see you, I see you. And can I tell you today, there's no greater endorsement, not Nike, not Apple, not Prada, not Gucci, not uh, Chris uh, Louboutin, not none of that. There's no greater endorsement than you can have than by God. He says, I have chosen a king. Oh, to be chosen by God. Many are called, but few are chosen to be chosen by him. To be endorsed by God. To have God's hand upon you when your own family looked over you. They didn't think you was worthy to come to the feast. To have God's hand upon you when none of your brothers thought enough about you to tell you to come inside because we're getting ready to have a party. To have God's hand upon you. That when everybody else rejected you, God says, but there's one more. You rejected him, but I have accepted him. I receive him today. We got to rise above the rejection because we're purposed. God has so much that he wants to do in our lives, but we've been allowing the lies of man and we've been allowing the lies of the enemy and we've been allowing what people said, what mama and them said we would never be and what we could never do and generational curses and all of that to keep us from being purposed. The people chose Saul. They said we wanted a king. God said, but you don't need one. They said, but we want one. And they got themselves something they wasn't ready for. They chose Saul, but God chose David. And it was a great difference 
in his rulership. It was a great difference in the victories that Israel had under David's command. Which is what touched the hearts of the elders to make them come and say in second, uh, second Samuel chapter five, verse one, all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, we are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led us. You were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. He was king, but you are the one doing the work. You are the one making sure we were taken care of. You are, you are the one encouraging us. You are the one speaking life to us. So don't think that just because you don't have the position or you don't have the title or no one has called your name that the seeds that you are planting and those that you encounter are not making a difference. Because God has anointed you for this. He has anointed you to rise above rejection so that you can pull somebody else out. They said, and the Lord said to you, you will become their ruler. And when all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. Hallelujah. There's going to come a time where God is going to raise you up publicly. The process that you've been enduring privately, God is going to raise you up publicly in the presence. He says, I will prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. So don't negate the process. Rise above the rejection. They counted you out because they didn't see what God saw in you. They saw you didn't have on the shoe. You know, your shoes was a little ran over, so... How how you ever going to be a business owner? You can't even buy no shoes. Your hair is a little nappy. So how you ever going to walk the runway? You can't, you need a perm, a relaxer. You're a little too dark. I don't know. You're too dark. We we don't want them that dark. You're too big. We don't want them that big. You're too skinny. We don't want them. You're too tall. We don't want them that tall. You're too short. We don't want them that short. See, the world has their outlook of what it should be or what you should be. But God says, I predestined you. I foreknew you. And I have purposed you. My hand is upon you. And all you have to do is trust the process tonight. Trust the process. Allow the rejection to position you to open yourself up to God. To say, God, I tried it my way, but my way didn't work. And I keep hitting brick wall after brick wall. And I'm tired of hearing the no's. And I'm tired of getting the doors closed. And I'm tired of things not working out the way I thought it should work out. Because I'm trying to do it the way I think it should be done. Because I'm allowing the exterior and external factors to dictate how I'm doing things, why I'm doing things, when I'm doing things. But God says, I look at the heart. If you would just posture your heart today. We sung about it on Sunday. Lord, I'm open. I'm open for you. If you would just posture your heart today to avail yourself to what God wants to do in your life. Yes, I'm tending sheep today, but if I give my life to God, I can be the king of all of Israel. 
Yes, my family didn't include me, but God wants to include me in his plan and he wants to include me in his kingdom and he wants to include me in his kingdom coming, his will being done. So today, hallelujah, we thank you, Lord, that you are teaching us how to be hip. You're teaching us humility and integrity and patience. You're teaching us, Father, how to communicate with you and how to confess your word and how to acknowledge, God, that without you we are nothing and how to acknowledge, Father, that unless you lead us, we don't know where to go and we don't know how to do it and we don't know how to pray unless your spirit is guiding us. And we understand that there's a cost to this thing. But he said, if you suffer with me, you'll reign with me. He said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present world don't even compare to the glory that shall be revealed. Yes, it might cost me something now, but I'm going to gain so much more later. So let me endure the process. Let me rise above the rejection that's trying to hold me down. Let me rise above the lies that's been told on me. Let me rise above the looks that's been looked upon me, that's been looked down on me. Let me rise above everything that the enemy has tried to keep me from moving forward in what God has called me. Can we stand tonight? Hallelujah. You are purposed. God has so much more for you than this. What is this? Wherever you are right now in your life, wherever you are right now in your faith walk, God has more for you than that. This is not your final stop. This is not your final place, your final destination. This is not the only direction he has for you. He's trying to take you up higher. We just have to slow down. Even as I said on Sunday, take no thought for tomorrow. We can't enjoy this part of it because we're so busy trying to rush into the next. But your direction. And your destination is more important than how quickly you get there. Alita Adams had a song, I don't care how you get here, just get here when you can. So I don't care the process that it takes you to get to the throne. I don't care the process you got to go through or how long the process is that takes you to get to your purpose. Just get there. And enjoy the journey. Because God is walking with you. Because he said, I never leave you nor forsake you. Even when David was hiding out in the, in the caves, God was right there with him. He said, even if I make my bed and show, you're still there, God. Where can I go outside of your presence? So tonight, hallelujah, my first appeal is going to be to that one. That has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you would say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know that God has anointed me. 
I don't even really know who God is. I would ask that you would allow us to pray with you on tonight. That you can gain the wisdom to accomplish your purpose. But in order to gain that wisdom, it comes from Christ. And that means you have to be connected to the source of that wisdom. You have to be connected to the source of that strength, of your strength, so that you can go through the process. So if there is one tonight and you would say, I don't know Christ in the pardon of my sin, even for those of you who are watching online and you want to give your life to Christ, you want to put your life in his hands because you're tired of the rejection and you're tired of the failure and you're ready to receive exactly what God has for you. Would you hashtag I've decided so that one of our leaders can reach out to you and pray with you? And for those that are in the house, you can come to the altar if you need to recommit your life today or if you need to give your life to Christ today. We dare not pass up that moment. Hallelujah. David was counted out, but God counted him in. He was rejected, but God embraced him. And I see, I hear in the spirit that there's somebody today and you know exactly what David went through. Being the youngest in your family, he was the eighth son. Eight represents new beginnings. He did a new thing in their lineage. He changed his story, the dynamics of his story, because he surrendered to God. They counted him last, but God counted him first. And he wants to do the same with you on tonight. My next appeal would be to that person that says, I, I know that I have a purpose, but I don't quite know what it is. Or I've been anxious. I know what my purpose is, and I've just been anxious, and I just want it to happen now. I, I just want to see the manifestation of it now. And you need that strength to wait on God. You need that strength to endure the process. Would you come? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, many believers have discovered their purpose on earth, but they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to pursue it. Because you see somebody else doing what you know God called you to do. And it has discouraged you. Because how am I going to do it when somebody else is already doing it? How am I going to do it? I know God called me to do it, but it's so many of them. It's a nail tech on every corner. It's a hair salon on every corner. It's this on every corner. How am I going to do it when it's so many of them? Because God's hand is upon you. He has made you uniquely and fearfully. If there's anybody else that needs prayer on tonight for any other reason, hallelujah, the altar is open. Hallelujah. 
And for those of you that are online, if you need prayer, you can email your prayer request to prayer at elevatechurchbr.com. Please leave a contact number so that we can call and pray with you directly. We will be praying for those petitions that are emailed, but we would also like to be able to call and speak into your life. You can also call 225-503-0706. Hallelujah. One of our intercessors is standing by to pray with you. We are purposed. God didn't make anything by accident and he didn't make anything without a purpose to it. So don't let anyone speak into your life and anyone that has spoken into your life. I come against that word, that bad seed that's been planted now in the name of Jesus. We uproot it by the power of the Holy Spirit. God predestined you. He foreknew you. He says, for I know the plans that they're greater than what you can even imagine. Scripture says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared. Trust his word today. Believe his word today. Confess his word over your life today. Don't give in to the lies of the enemy. You are greater. You are more. Even as we made our affirmation of faith, you are redeemed. You are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. You are healed. You are delivered. You are set free today. You are loosed into your purpose today. We come against the spirit of stagnation and the spirit of procrastination and every destiny blocker and barrier that's trying to keep us from being the purpose-driven church, the purpose-driven people that God has called us to be. Rick Warren had that book out some decades ago, The Purpose-Driven Life, because God gave him that revelation We're not just here by naught, but we're here to fulfill his purpose and plan in our life. So, Father God, we come to you tonight giving you glory and praise. We thank you for your word today, Father, and for giving us the strength, the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding to rise above the rejection, Father that we have endured and experienced from loved ones, Father, from those that we trusted, from leadership, Father, from workplaces, God, from bosses, from schools, from communities, from our spouses, from our children. Father, wherever the source of rejection has come from, even the fear of being rejected that has caused us to not step out on the thing, God, that you have called us to do, that has caused us to walk in disobedience to your word because of our fear of being rejected and not being received, God. We come before you today asking you to have mercy on us, Father, and standing in repentance for walking in disobedience. But God, I pray today that the boldness and the faith that David walked in, even when he was up against a giant father. God, I thank you, Father, that God, you put the mountain before us so that we can show others that we have the power to move the mountain of God, that their faith will be built up and that they too can be encouraged to walk in their purpose, to break through the barriers that have been placed over their life, God. Because, God, we know that you are greater and that you are stronger and that you are mightier and that there's nothing too hard for you. 
So, Father, we trust tonight that if you called us to it, that you're going to bring us through it. And tonight, Father, we rise above rejection and we walk in the boldness that you have given us. We walk by faith and not by sight. We won't be moved by what we see or what we don't see. We're only going to be moved by what you said. And, God, you said that you have put more in us. And what you have deposited in us now has to come out. And we understand, Father, that it may not manifest overnight. It may not manifest over a few short years, God. It may take decades. But, God, we trust the process. We will not abort the plan. We will not abort the assignment. But, God, we accept this mission. And our eyes are stayed on you. Father, we give you glory tonight. And we give you praise. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Come on, if you believe God tonight, come on and clap your hands tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the wonderful name of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. At this time, we're going to worship the Lord in our giving on tonight. Hallelujah. As we are.